FM, broadcasting out of Irvine, California. You wish elevator music sounded this good. The opinions and views expressed on this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show or other programs on KUCI, please log on to KUCI.org for the latest program schedule. Hello, my name is Kimberly Martin, and you're listening to Kimberly Martin's Real People of Orange County, a fun and informative look inside the lives of Orange County's best and brightest. These are people who serve their community in a meaningful capacity on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Opinions expressed on this show are totally mine and do not reflect the opinions of the management of KUCI or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about Kimberly Martin's Real People of Orange County and other shows, please go to KUCI.org. We're back. Yay! Thank you so much for being there when I swing by to get you. Yeah, it's not a problem. So. I, um, God, I've just been on a bit of a whirlwind, so I'm excited to be back in the hot seat. Yeah. So uh, where were you at? Um, well, I went to Chicago, and that was right on the heels of our interview with uh, a, a um, pilot, an a a airline pilot, Justin. <laughs> Pet- Whoa, did I say it wrong? Petricus. Petricus. Yeah, I think that's the way we had said it earlier out in the lobby. I, yeah, I was I was correcting you, and then you, now you're correcting me. Isn't that ironic? But I. Um, I had such a great time, and I looked at every pilot differently after our interview with Justin. Really? I did. I chatted them all up. I said hi and, you know, told them they were just like a soccer mom. I think I felt like I had something in common with them. <laughs> well, I mean, did you think that they had groupies or something, or how did that go? Well, you have to understand, they were on the shuttle with me. I wasn't keeping them from performing their job. Oh. They, they were asking just as many questions of us as we were of them. So Okay. And then, of course, I had to ask them all if they they knew him because I was traveling on on the particular airline with which he flies, uh-huh. and so it was it was fun. It was really fun to just you know have have that chat with him and then and then be in in his little world. Well, that's pretty cool. If so. only for a moment. If only for a moment. So, but I still don't like flying. Oh, no matter what he says. Yeah. Well, there, there's worse things that you can do. Yeah. Well, worse things than flying? Yeah, there's a lot of worse things than flying. Well, I suppose we could get into that list afterwards. <laughs> well, whale watching, I think, is worse than flying. Well, only if you get motion sickness. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, you raised your hand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Heather McCoy doesn't like to go whale watching. Yeah, whale watching <laughs> is absolutely horrendous. Why would anybody want to have that? You know, where's the fun in that? <laughs> Well, there's, it's only fun if you see a whale. <laughs> yeah, and I got motion sickness and no whales. Yeah. Do you turn that special shade of gray when you get motion sick? I've never actually looked at myself in the mirror when I was getting motion sickness, so I, wouldn't, I couldn't tell you. Well, I have, to, I have to say, I remember this one occasion. It was over the Christmas holiday. We took all the kids to Hawaii, and the kids were so mad at me. I, I scheduled a snorkeling trip, apparently 
around the time Santa was supposed to be there. <laughs> oh. And they were like, what? We have to get up and do what? And I said, yeah, we're going to go snorkeling. So we all went as a family snorkeling, and it was so exciting. We went out. We were on the island of Maui, and we went out to, I think it's called Molokini, and it was an unusually rough day, and even I was nervous to hop in the water and snorkel. And my husband, I guess he did as much as he could, and he stayed back. And when I got back on the boat, I kid you not, he was that special shade of gray. Not the kind of gray that everybody else is talking about these days, but no. but a real gray. And I thought, wow, you know, people, when they say you looked gray, they really did do look gray. I didn't know a human could turn gray while still being alive. Yeah, you can definitely do, you can still do that, yeah. So, well, we're here today because we want to hear the second half of our interview with Justin. And uh, it was fascinating enough, it went into overtime. Well, I wanted to see what it would be like because I always thought it would be hard to fill an hour with a guest. I wanted to see what it would be like if we just kept on going. And, and at what point would we exhaust our interest in the topic and or our interest in the person sitting in front of us? Not to say that I think we'd ever exhaust our interest in any of our guests, but just simply maybe run out of questions. <laughs> yeah, you can run out of questions fairly easily. So um, we're going to play part two of our interview with Justin Petricus, airline pilot extraordinaire. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> and uh, we left off with uh, him talking about emergency landings and you asking him if uh, he practices what Sully Solomberg did over the Hudson. That's right. Did you and any of your fellow pilots do any simulation on the Sully landing in the Hudson? Um. Yeah, have we had have. a chance to do that. But that's at the end of the simulation, that's almost just for, I don't want to say for fun, but it is, did your I guess, so unlikely. Did your airplane float at the end of your simulation or did you crash? <laughs> it floats, but that's how the computer's programmed. Actually, what, what Sully did was pretty remarkable. Right. I mean, he had a lot of things going for him. I mean, there was a clear day. There wasn't much wind. The water was The water was, was smooth. Still, yeah. I mean, you know, airplanes don't make very good boats. Right. And just the way they're they're, they're made structurally... Um, depending on the, 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 the surface condition of the water. I mean, they, they could break up or get some holes in it. Hmm. So, um, you know, how it, how it landed pretty much intact, I believe. I think, yeah, I believe it was all intact. I think he, Completely he, he, intact. Yeah, he threw it one engine sheared off. But, I mean, besides that, I mean, the fuselage itself, it was pretty remarkable that it remained relatively, it wasn't watertight because they were, they're up to like waist deep water at towards the end there when they right were, when they were when the, when the crew the, the crew was making sure that everyone was off off the airplane right but I mean that the thing didn't fragment when it hit and scatter it was pretty remarkable pretty remarkable so but, do you how many times did you guys try the landing um just once because it's such a it is a really unlikely event okay it's a very unlikely event um, there's other things that are more likely to happen that we practice. Okay. But we do, they threw that in and it was, I don't want to say just for fun, but to be at the end. But and, in a way it was kind of just for fun. Yeah. I mean, it, and it's, you know, it's challenging and, and, you know, again, my, I have high admiration for him because I mean, what he pulled off was just nothing short of miraculous, you know, the skill. I mean, you know, here's a guy who he'd been flying, I think 35 years, 40 years almost. And right. being able to take all those skills and all that knowledge and boom, this is the one day that you need to use every ounce of it. And right. he pulled it off. I mean, it's a great story. In about 45 seconds, I believe, That's too. That's right, yeah. yeah. Oh, less, well, actually. yeah, I think, I think it was about a minute and a half. Oh, okay. But, but I mean, yeah, big deal. It's, you know, it's sort of like it made two minutes, yeah. situation rather quickly. And yeah, airplanes don't make good gliders when they don't have the engine. I mean, they, they'll fly, but not very far, not very long. Yeah. And he was fairly low, too. So he made a decision and went with it, and it 
and his crew did. The flight attendants just did a fabulous job. I think they basically said this is what's happening, and all of a sudden they got to go, wow, this is for real, and whoa, okay. What are some of the simulations that you, they have you try on a more regular basis then? So you say that one's pretty unique, so they wouldn't have you do that one. Can you give us some examples of ones that sure. they have you do often? Yeah, engine failure, engine fire, every every time. We, we go to training every um, – uh, depending on the company, you'll go from every six months to a year. Some companies go every nine months. But every time you're going to get engine failure or fire on takeoff, probably on approach. Um, that's probably the most— Approach um, is landing, Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, approach, yeah. Okay. Um, but that's probably the one you need the quickest reaction time because you're low to the ground, you're slow speed, and a, a, lot of, a lot of moving parts, so to speak, and a lot of things going on. And we'll do things, everything from a, a simulated um, you know, passenger emergency— to um, you know, various systems fail, you know, the parts of the wing that don't work right or malfunctions, I guess I should say. Okay. Do you ever worry about a total computer malfunction? Like I'm, I'm picturing like Apollo 13 where there's a problem and then their systems weren't quite reading out what that was quite. And so they just had to kind of figure it out by troubleshooting. Um, so far, the airplanes I've been on, I mean, they're computer aided, but not completely computer controlled I, I guess if parts of a computer or the computer system went down it wouldn't disable the airplane yeah it make things harder make things irregular or abnormal but nothing to the point where wow we're gonna this thing's gonna crash and it hasn't been that and the 787 has a lot more computers so that possibly could become a factor yeah. because that airplane's actually controlled by a computer to move the flight controls that's, that's fly unique. by wire yes exactly yeah. yes and that's, you know, that's a question people have, but supposedly there's enough redundancy. But if you're slightly pessimistic like me on my Windows PC, you know, <laughs> I don't know, computers crash, for lack of a better word, which is right. a bad word. <laughs> right. So if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Kimberly Martin's Real People of Orange County, um, KUCI 88.9 FM here in Irvine. And we have in our studio Justin Petricus. He is an airline pilot for a major airline uh, located here in the United States. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> and um, we're having some fun hearing about um, typical things like the day in the life of a pilot, but some special stories that have come along through this career that you've had, this over 25-year career in the airline industry. This is a family business for you. You, um, you have, you're, you're part of a legacy, your uncle and your father, lots of pilots in your family. And um, you're racking up some really interesting stories to tell your grandchildren. Can you tell us some of those today? Um, boy, I mean, I, some of the, the trips I've been to um, overseas, uh, I've been fortunate to kind of hit places in Europe, but I also, uh, some of my favorites were in the Middle East. I actually had the opportunity to do a trip to Cairo. Oh, and, tell me about uh, that. Gosh, you know, you fly fly 11 hours all night, and half the day you get to Cairo at about 4 in the afternoon. And uh, you get there, and as you're flying into the airport, you're flying over the pyramids. Oh, and you're going, spectacular. Wow. You know, you just, you've only seen pictures of them or movies or, you know, read about them in, you know, in literature for millennia. Yeah. And there they are. Those are the real pyramids. It's and just, do you get to fly pretty, like, is there an approach that you're taking where you're pretty down close to the ground? When you're, yeah, you're, you're several or? thousand feet up. Wow. Yeah. I mean, they don't want you too low or right. too noisy, but you still can you see. You want to rumble even, them apart. Yeah. Or even if you're miles away. But I mean, There's when so you go there the next day and you're, and you're, and you're sitting there. At the Sphinx. Right. And they have a cool laser light show for whatever, but it was really pretty neat. Mm -hmm. Or you go into a pyramid. I mean, it was just unbelievable. Right. Um, going to uh, uh, Israel, 
and uh, going to Tel Aviv and going throughout the Holy Land and all that all that history there. And you know, the tour guy says, "Okay, that the street you're on, you know, the Romans put it in." Wow. I mean, just just stuff like that is just it's pretty remarkable. It's been really fun, really enjoyable. But the backside of that trip is it's about a four or five day trip, and when you leave, you leave in the middle of the night, about eh, twelve one o'clock in the morning. And um, I remember one trip, we took off, and we you fly very north. We flew towards the Arctic Circle. And because of the time of the year, we saw the sun come up. And as we crossed north, and then we started heading back down to the south towards the North America, the sun went back down. Wow. And then... In how much time? Uh, maybe like three hours. Wow. And then... And then about a couple hours later, because you're landing in New York about 5, 6 in the morning, the sun, the sun starts coming up again. <laughs> That's very odd. That just kind of messes with your head a little bit. Going, I uh. I'm not a romantic. I don't like to watch sunsets all that too many times just, a day. Just, I'm just an airline pilot. Yeah. But, um, again, again, if you like to travel and the adventure, I mean, it just it can't be beat. And, you know, and, and there's many other guys that I know that have gone to more exotic places, you know, places in South America or in Asia and really – gone off the beaten path on their layovers because you might have 24 hours you might have three days it just depends where in the company some airlines you might be there even longer can you choose those flights with the airline that you work with based on seniority yes if you wanted to take a family and go on a you could pick a flight and maybe take your i mean i could Mm -hmm. see where this could be if you're a family man you would have amazing opportunities to show your children the world yeah and, and we have used those opportunities but when you travel you travel standby so what that means is that if there's a seat, you can go. And uh, the airlines have, have done a good job of reducing capacity. I mean, they reduce capacity trying to get the, the fares higher so they make more money. Mm. But by doing that, there's less empty seats. So standby is harder to come by. Oh, yeah. So and, you could maybe take your wife and one of your children, but the other child got left home. <laughs> I guess well, that's not practical. <laughs> I, mean, I, I could tell you stories. In fact, uh, that my wife, you know, she just went on a trip with me recently, and it was pretty touch and go. Whether she would get to go with you or not? Just making it on the airplane. Just so one person. So you were the pilot, and she just wanted to go along with you. Yeah. Yeah. And was it a big trip? Were you going far away? Uh, going out to Florida. Oh, okay. To Miami, but so for for, for a short time. But I mean, it's uh, not like she had had to pack for a European vacation and then no. just go home. Oh no! Even if you're if you're working a trip, you're they're not mm-hmm. going to keep you over there very long. Like I said, it might be twenty four hours, might be three days at the most, maybe five days. I think when I was doing the Middle East stuff, it was four days, five days, but not you know, yeah, you're not going on vacation per se. I mean, you're still got to be ready, got to be ready to go to work and. Right. So you're in semi-vacation mode. Now, just about every U.S. citizen has a story to tell about where they were um, on September 11th when they heard about uh, the airplanes crashing into the World Trade Center Mm -hmm. and the Pentagon. I bet you every pilot has a story like that, too. And I bet you those stories are pretty, pretty remarkable. Um, I'd like you to tell us your story and then any others that you might find interesting that you shared with some of your colleagues. Well, my story is I was in New York for 9-11. Hmm. In fact, we flew in the night before, and I remember this very distinctly because as we were flying over the city, there was a bunch of thunderstorms that we had to go around. And then on the other side of the thunderstorms, it was clear. And I thought, boy, the next day it's going to be a really pretty day, especially in, in September. York. In New York, September is actually a very nice time of year to go there. The next morning... Um, and we got there at midnight. I think I got up at 8 in the morning for a 9.30 flight or something. The next morning in my hotel, I had the TV on. 
while shaving and stuff and listening to the news and there's a New Yorker and I, and I can't mimic the accent, but it, it, it seemed like the typical, Hey, not, <laughs> I don't want to say typical, but it seemed like a, an exaggerated, Oh my God, there is an airplane that, you know, hit, hit a building and you're thinking, okay, maybe a small airplane or helicopter, who knows? Right. You know, and I, and, and by that time I had to hurry and catch the bus to go back to the airport <clears throat> as I'm going from the, the hotel, which is five minutes from the airport to the airport. I can see in the distance one of the trade towers. I saw this smoke, and I go, wow, it must have been... A significant size aircraft. Well, I didn't even think that. I was just thinking, wow, that's burning quite a bit. And I was actually thinking, okay, because the airports are so congested in New York, I'm thinking, okay, air traffic might get uh, rerouted. It might be some congestion or delays based on that smoke and, you know, things going on. When I got to the airport, I saw all the flights had been... Um, delayed or canceled. And I said, hmm, this is really odd. And I went to our, what we call our operations center, basically where we kind of do our work and stuff. And everyone's um, watching TV. I'm like, hey, what's going, you know, yeah, look at that thing burning. And I go, hey, why is the second one burning? And they go, you don't know? And I go, no. They go, man, the airliner hit it. Wow. And the second one hit it. And meanwhile, the terminal and the uh, public address system, um, the authorities are basically saying everyone needs to evacuate the airport right now because they didn't know if there, you know, what other threats were out there, if there was a, a bomb threat or some kind of threat against the airport. So they're, all the passengers are getting evacuated. The, the crew, we stayed in their operations center and watched TV, and it got to the point where our company security was telling us that we should leave because we may be a, 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 target. a target as well. But we also countered, I mean, I actually said, I go, we'll be a, more of a target if we're out on the street. Hmm. I mean, because we're obvious targets. With your uniform. Exactly. And plus, uh, that day was about, I'm trying to it was about 80 degrees out. So it was getting a little on the warm side, May right. 85. So you're thinking about just uh, the logistics. Hey, you know, you're going to need to eat. You're going to need to drink. I mean, all the stores are closed, so there's no food except vending machines. This was in New York? All yeah, this is in the airport. Well, oh, in the, in the at the airport. Yeah. They're, um, you know, if you're out there sitting on the, on, the, on the curb, what happens when someone has to go to the bathroom? I mean, it's, right. there's, there's, you, know, you have to kind of analyze these things. Um, and so what did you do? They, um, they had us stick around the, hotel, the airport until about 2 or 2.30, May 3 o'clock, and then they found some local hotels. Um, actually, it was the hotels that all the inbound flights were supposed to use, but since none of them ever made it, right. they all got diverted to other places. And grounded where they were. Right. So we went back to the hotel, and we stayed there for, gosh, five days. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, New York was the uh, the last, the last airspace to, to be open. I, if I remember right, I think other airports, they allowed flights to go after three or four days. But New York, they were, because it was the scene of the crime, so to speak, they waited for at least six days, and it was it was very chaotic uh, because people were, um, hey, we need to get out of here. So we closed our yeah. our airports in this nation for four days mo- in most places. Oh yeah, grounded. Oh, I don't remember it being that long. Do you? Oh yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. Maybe it was three days, but still, it was, it was unprecedented. Long. It was the first time in really the history of aviation that nothing flew in the United States, like right. except military and a few select flights, I guess, but. Being on the scene, it was very, um, it was very scary because you didn't know what was going on. There's all these terrorist threats, and everyone's watching all the cable news, TV, because that's all the information you had. And there would be rumors about, hey, they just caught some guys trying to, you know, blow up the George Washington Bridge. Hey, you know, some people are sneaking on the airport. Hey, 
And you all look, of a sudden, everybody was a suspect. Everyone's a suspect, and there's a lot of gloom and doom. I mean, is this, you know, is someone going to drop a, a nuke here or something, and then you know, end the whole city? And by the way, I'm trapped here. You know, that that was yeah. not a very good feeling at all. That was. It was very uh, bad. And, and some people, passengers, even uh, other employees, f- wound up renting cars, and they drove across the country. Oh, They bailed. So, I mean, people were scared. They scattered. wanted out. It was, it was very chaotic, and it was very unnerving. Were you able very, to get in touch with your family and let them know you were okay? Uh, not for a while, because all the, um, the phone lines and all the cell service, cell phone service, was just um, swamped. I mean, you try to use your phone to be busy. And this was before text. Well, I guess it was before texting. And, and even for many people, email. Hmm. So, for example, my wife, she found out or she found that things were, I guess, amiss because at about, oh, 630 in the morning, while she was asleep with my two very young children, an aunt that we normally don't talk to called and said, hey, how, he are you, okay? how are you doing? By the way, where's, your, where's Justin? Right. And she, my wife knows that. People don't usually call you at 6.30 in the morning just to chit-chat about family time. So right. that obviously raised her alarm level. And then she had a very anxious day. And I don't think I was able to contact her for many hours, probably till later that afternoon, at least half a day early evening, <clears> just because <throat> you couldn't get messages out and phone and this and that. Luckily, um, uh, my father, of all people, had access to a computer, and he was able to look up on a, a company access and check my flight, and he, he ended up calling her and saying, hey, his flight didn't leave, it wasn't him. Right. But she spent the rest of the day people calling. Having to feel ba- those calls. She would and- answer the phone and say, it wasn't him, it wasn't him, because right. one of the airlines that hit was the same kind of airplane that I fly. Oh, So, she, you know, she it was just It may have been ter- a colleague of yours. Yeah, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so but she was just, you know, terrified. And when she found out it wasn't me, she spent the rest of the day deflecting, All you know, hey, calls. you know, and people good-naturedly were trying to call and concern. But, no, it was a, a very trying time, I mean, not for us to be there. I mean, and not to mention the uh, the victims of, of the four aircraft that went down, the passengers and the crew. I mean, it, it's really hard to kind of talk and think about, you know, murder in your workplace. Right. And um, that's why sometimes people get a little, uh, you know, not uptight, but we talk about security and stuff. They don't really want to talk about it too much because that's really what you're dealing with is, you know, someone murdering you where you work. Do you feel comfortable with the way security is handled now in the airline industry? Mm, I think no system's perfect. Mm-hmm. I would probably say the United States probably has one of the better systems, okay. but they're also, compared to some countries, they do it better. They, and so it's worldwide, it's probably up there, but it's not an A, maybe a B. What What do you say to the passengers flying in the airports today that don't like the additional hassles that come with the new securities? Well, I mean, go watch some documentaries on 9-11 and decide if you want to, you know. A repeat you know, of that. Yeah, do you want to potentially face the alternative or being slightly inconvenienced, is it worth it? <clears throat> I mean, yeah, is it a hassle? Yeah, I mean. I'll admit that right away, but the alternatives are worse, so sorry. Right, you know? right, and you're doing your best. Yeah, and, and you got to understand, too, a lot of people get irate at uh, flight crews or airlines, and um, they really have little control over security. It's all, as you know, Homeland Security, uh, transport, uh, TSA, Transportation uh, Security Administration. So it's it's really the government entity that deals with that now, and we just, you know, 
we have very little input. They decide what's going to happen and whether you take your shoes off or take your bottle of water or right. have your kid get frisked, that has nothing to do. But a lot of times, you know, passengers, they're, they're already frazzled by that. And then, you know, they, they take out their uh, displeasure on, you know, airline crews and stuff. You right, know, right. They vent or worse. So, you know. Right. Well, um, you know, I didn't ask you this before, but what are what are some of the more annoying behaviors that passengers engage in that um, obstruct your ability to perform your job or to make flight uh, smooth for other passengers and for your crew? You know, as pilots, we don't <clears throat> we're not exposed that much to it. I mean, really, that's a good flight attendant question because I mean they they're the front line. Quite honestly, <laughs> I mean, I have a nice door now that you know I can close. You can close and lock now. Yeah. Um, well, the. Oh, anyway, yeah, don't go into that. Um, <laughs> Please tell me it's no, locked. I want it to be locked. <laughs> no, it is. It is. But, um, it's thicker now than it used to be. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, really, for from the pilot standpoint, passengers can't do too much. I mean, we, we're more trying to help the flight attendants manage. The, Some of the, the things the, they but, do. But really, we have very little we can do, and it's really up to them. Mm. I mean, I can't think of anything passengers that really annoy me except um, – Bring small animals, like well, miniature horses on <laughs> – bring well, some little service animals. Well, actually, actually that's it. If they, <laughs> I, I mean, passengers – and I'll even tell you when you do the safety briefing where they say, you know, you have to comply with a crew member request. It's a federal regulation. So people that think they're above the law, a lot of times celebrities, you know, they've been in the uh, news lately and they feel like uh, they don't have to turn off their phone or – Alec Baldwin. I didn't say any names, but there's celebrities out there. Heather couldn't wait to say that name. <laughs> I kind of despise them. So. <laughs> Actually, we, um, th- that person flies on our airline a lot, and um, they're supposed to be very nice. Actually, normally, oh, really? so maybe just you know, someone has an off day, and because they're famous, they you know they know more about it than when you have an off day because no one knows you, and you know that's a good point. Um, they, they just are under but, the microscope. But on the other hand, I, I have seen over the years some celebrities do kind of think they are above the law or special and uh, you know you need to still comply with certain things that's just being civil and being like everyone else to a point right um, the other thing that kind of for crews i think sometimes is that um for example if you do an all-night flight everyone's tired right you know the crew's tired because we've been up you know passengers are sleeping and you just want to go to the hotel but you have to wait till everyone gets off the airplane and a lot of times <clears> you'll have <throat> people that once everyone gets off the airplane, they decide, oh, I should probably gather all my stuff and pack it and repack it. And Oh, they're not Johnny on the spot. Well, it's kind of like... Johnny off the spot. <laughs> you know, especially even if you're in the back of the airplane. I mean, it takes 10 or 15 minutes to get out. Get out. So a lot of times, you know, get, gather your stuff and leave. The airplane ride's over. Right. Go now. <laughs> right. But what do you say to the people? Conversely, this is one thing that always bothers me is when I'm on an airplane, everybody stands up the moment they can stand up. And then all of a sudden the airplane feels terribly claustrophobic and I want to stop breathing. And um, they're all standing in a space as close to each other as they possibly can. And yeah. they're not going to move for at least 10 minutes. I don't know why they do that. Unless they want to stretch your legs. This, does that drive the, um, the, the crew crazy when people just pop up like they're going to go somewhere um, when they're really not? They know through? how to move through crowds. The, 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 the crew. So, I mean, that that's probably not a big deal. But, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, why be in a hurry and stand and wait or when you have to wait for the front of the airplane to get out? Unless you need to stretch or your leg hurts. I mean, I understand that, too, because, right, right. I mean, we've all been there as well. But, yeah, I agree with you. It's kind of silly when it stands. I usually just stand and then grab my overhead and then just have it in my lap. And so when the time does come for me to leave, then I can just you're ready. go. So that's nice. Yeah. You're not one of the little old ladies packing in the back. No. It's rarely <laughs> old ladies. It's usually oh. younger people that just 
just don't care. Aren't aware. Aren't aware, aren't aware. of people in their lives. And aren't aware. Okay, uh, so another thing that's crazy, too, and none of you experienced this, too, but I, I'm, I'm surprised just nowadays. You get someone who, when you land and they start talking on their cell phone. Oh, yeah. Which, which is okay, but I've had a, I mean, I remember I had one <clears> guy <throat> behind me, and he was t- starting to talk about his adventures the night before in very good, you know, <laughs> distinct terms. <laughs> And a lot of, uh, you know, not good, you know. And very people were around language. having to listen oh, to Oh, he it. was almost yelling it. And after a while, you're going, hey, guys. Dude. Yeah, dude. There's people here. Right. That aren't your friends. Children. Yeah. I mean, come on, that. man. Just clean it up for five minutes. That happens in restaurants, too. So it's not you eat the planes. Yeah. But, yeah. It's yeah. yeah. a good point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I have a couple questions I have to ask. The pillowcases. Do they change the pillowcases <laughs> after we've used them? Because <laughs> that creeps me out a little bit. Um... Huh. Oh. I think it kind of depends. Ooh, I would say probably what? once a day. Yeah, if if it creeps you out, bring a pillowcase, and you'll be a lot happier. Okay. I, mean, sure. I, I know some people that that bring their own little blanket or their own little sheet. Yeah. I mean, they do get laundered. I don't know how regularly. Well, no, they're the little disposable ones. They're, oh, yeah, that, yeah. I know. Yeah, it's little, like almost I'm like just a paper. Curious thing. if that was a matter of of routine that they just automatically put new ones on, or you're just saying that really probably not if. The flight landed three or four different times a day. It would only happen once. A, once maybe. maybe. Yeah, it might just depend maybe, how maybe dirty not. it looks. Like, oh, that one will pass. That'll go another That'll time. That'll pass. Yeah, That'll go know. through. And the blanket's probably, sniff test, probably you know. the same thing, too. So when they wrap, <laughs> when they wrap everything back up in cl- plastic, can I assume that it's been washed? I believe so. Okay. All right. And then the last thing in, that I that is, is um, interesting to me is the whole cell phone thing. We've heard as civilians that it is important to you that we keep the cell phones off, and we've also heard that, oh, no, that's really not that important. Tell us about the cell phone issue. Well, I mean, um, you know, I'm not an electronic engineer, but... Um, I was kind of hoping you were, <laughs> considering all the electronics that you manage at your job. <laughs> Please instill a little yeah. more... Uh, <laughs> Year, years ago, with the, um, with the navigation radios and stuff, there was some interference with, I don't know which brand or maybe it was the type of cell phones, but it would affect it some. Okay. As years have gone on. You're I, on a I, different I, frequency or what's the situation? Yeah, or, or they've, you know, electronically tightened up the uh, the transmitting bandwidth or what have you. I think it's less now, but they still haven't approved it, the powers that be. And so, yeah, it's important. To, I mean, again, is that cell phone or that Angry Birds game or your iPad movie that important to, you know, the one, one a million chance of, you know, playing havoc with the airplanes avionics is that really that are you that important or can you just turn it off for the 15 minutes you'll live right right i I mean i think it's just a a risk benefit analysis there and it's probably more beneficial to turn it off okay Uh, i think there is some talk in the industry of allowing cell phones back on to the airplanes well even allowing it or having a service where you can um connect your cell phone so it transmits through a controlled frequency, maybe. Yeah, so then you mm. can call, have people call you on your cell phone. I mean, a lot of c- certain airplanes, you can make air-to-ground um, phone calls. We have to use the special phones, and it's relatively expensive, like a, you know, a couple of bucks a minute or something like that. Okay. Uh, some airlines are talking about or have debated whether to allow personal cell phones, but I don't know. Personally, I don't want to hear anybody's conversation for five hours. It's not that interesting. You mean You're as too a close. passenger? As a passenger. Okay. Yeah, from a safety standpoint, like I said, I, th- I think... They're working on it. Not being an issue. Yeah, I mean, whether it actually interferes or not. So maybe maybe it is a common courtesy issue then that we need to address. Yeah, maybe, maybe the airlines are saying it's a, a safety thing to keep it a, a, a social engineering thing, but they're not I, ha- I, I wouldn't want to risk it. I mean, I was on a, 
flight the other day and a guy had his pad on. I'm going, really? I was in the back traveling to work on a, and uh, I was going, you know, why don't you just turn it off? It's not that big of a deal, right? You can read that in 10 minutes. And he, and uh, he, so he wasn't honoring what, what he was supposed to honor. It didn't seem like it was a big deal. Right. I mean. But you can put those things in airplane mode now where you're. Yeah. Okay. I just don't. I just don't turn them on. Like when you're in the landing, you just turn it off. It's I always courtesy. bring a book or something because I can't just to deal with the anxiety of landing. I just read, and yeah. it's not that big of a deal, honestly. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, one of the last things that we want to talk about is the future of flying, and you had some. You have some opinions about that. Are you optimistic about the future of flying? Well. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's becoming more and more commonplace. Uh, the FAA has forecast that the amount of people flying will either double or triple in the next 20 years just in North America. Why is that? Because it'll be more affordable or more necessary? I think I think a little bit of both. Okay. And I also think, too, uh, you hinted earlier, you are talking about the Pan Am and how flying used to be, uh, I don't, don't want to say a special thing, but... Uh, more unique thing, I think people are just used to it. It's become more of a, um, I don't want to say a, it's less of a privilege and just an everyday type of thing. You know, you hop on a subway, you hop on a bus, you hop on a plane and you go somewhere. So I think the amount of people, the population in North America is increasing and just people like going places. They like to travel. It's become affordable and okay. they're going to want to do it. And then worldwide, I mean, you look at China, you look at India. I guess that's true. I mean, so you're, that's Europe where you're going to get your numbers. Even the Middle, Middle East has, has some more. And then Africa, I mean... There's going to be more airplanes and more flying, so there's going to need, be a need for more pilots as well. Okay. And so do we have the hope that we're going to get those high-quality pilots through some means? Or is, or is that, like you said in the beginning of the interview, less likely because they're not learning it through the military and there's not as many uh, means for people to learn piloting as a, as a civilian? As a civilian. Um, I think the airlines and the... Um, the uh, educational institutions, you know, there's there's four-year uh, colleges that do aviation programs mm-hmm. and other um, flight schools. They'll find a, a, a safe, happy Away. medium. W- whether whether you have six months experience and then they throw you in with an experienced pilot and that's the way it goes, which would possibly, that's the way it's going to be. So now you're kind of, it's unfairly, you know, burdening that more senior pilot. He's kind of doing on-the-job training for a long time. Right. But other countries have done that as well. Having said that, though, and other countries that have done that that type of situation have a very inexperienced co-pilot with a, a somewhat experienced captain, um, they do have an, a higher accident rate. I mean, that's just the way it is. It's, it's that, but that's the more common situation down in uh, South America or in, over in Asia. Hmm. And I think it'll really come down to is is what will the uh, I guess the traveling public and the airlines consider acceptable, right? You know. So when we walk on and we see a really young pilot, we sh- that's when we should start to work. You, you don't know. I mean, like you said, I mean, some people just look young and they, they're fairly experienced. So right. Um, well, I, I I'm not so certain that all my fears are gone yet, but I do feel <laughs> I do feel more informed now that we've had Justin uh, Patrickus. Then I failed you. Then if I <laughs> haven't got your, your fears away, because I, I I never want anyone to be uh, uncom- uh, uncomfortable in an airplane. Well, That's my goal when I'm flying is to make you feel like you're still in your living room as much as I can, just well, comfortable and, and relaxed and safe. That's and the most the important thing. The statistics are still in our favor for flying versus driving, anyway. Right? Absolutely. I mean, people for years have asked me. 
you know, do you feel, do you worry about, or even ask my spouse, and I go, right. I, I worry about driving to work more than I am at work. Right, right, because flying is just simply safer. It, it's just, it's more regulated, there's tighter controls, there, it's, it's a very conservative industry, believe it or not. There's a lot of uh, uh, stopgap measures and, and backups to backups and contingency plans in every flight. Right. So it's, uh, there's, there, there's a lot going on in the there's background. There's lots of things to on. catch you if you fall. So to speak, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Justin, thank you so much for being thank here. Thank you for having me. I know. I enjoyed it. Heather, what about you? Yeah, that was a good conversation. Yeah, it was great, wasn't it? Um, thank you, and um, we'll see you in the skies. All right. Look forward to it. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. That was a discussion we had with uh, Justin. Patrickus. Yeah. I can say that now. <laughs> yeah, it was about a week, a week and a half ago, right? It was just before I went on my trip, and we had a really tough time scheduling our pilot extraordinaire because he just, you know, he was always on the go. He didn't know when his, when his schedule would allow him to say, yes, I can come and do a live interview. So after a couple of weeks of hemming and hawing and seeing if something would come up, I finally just said, you know what, let's just pre-record this and then we can have some fun with it and you can get your airtime, just airtime in and have it be ground airtime rather than airtime airtime. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's funny. He probably, he, I know I've never flown a plane, so he obviously out, out, out has way more minutes in the air than I ever had. And then on the air, he, I've got way more minutes than he's ever had. So that's right. Kind of, that's kind right. Of, it was uh, yin and yang there. A li- so. little yin and yang for airtime. Yeah. But yeah. I thought he was an excellent interview because, A, he has he has, he has has a radio voice, don't you think? Oh, yeah. He's got an excellent radio voice. I thought he did a great job. Yeah. And what most of you, well, none of you would know this, but his wife came with him to the interview, which I loved. But it was so funny. I kept turning around to look at her and she was facing the corner like she'd been punished. I, and I asked her after the interview, I go, why are you facing the corner? And she says, well, I just didn't want him to see my face as he was answering questions because I didn't want to bias his responses. And I thought that was really sweet of her. Yeah, that is sweet of her. Because I think I would have tempted to make funny faces at my poor husband while he was <sighs> trying to <laughs> trying to be serious and honest on the radio. Well, now that that's said, he knows not to bring you to a radio interview. No kidding. (laughs) Unless I'm interviewing him, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. Well, I really enjoyed that. I I have to say, though, that I felt much more informed as an airline passenger. I paid more attention to everything this time. And I, you know, got my first x-ray. I had to put my hands up and face the little x-ray machine and have the little machine go womp, womp and rotate around my body. And that really bugged me. I don't think I would allow them to do that. I, think I didn't that I would, think it. I wasn't under the impression I had an option. Oh, that's Was sucks. the pat down better? A better a option? Pat, a pat down is a better option because the x-ray machines, there's rumors that that is cancerous. Well, yes. I don't think it's rumored. I think it's, you know, it's known. But they said something, they said something really cute and lighthearted like, oh, this is just a little bit or something like that. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> We're not looking too deeply into your soul here. We're just taking a quick... A quick pick, but yeah. um, but that's a good that's a good that's a good. You're we're only going to contribute a tenth to your breast cancer. Have a nice flight, you know. And I, I, yeah, but and I thought, and this is something I didn't ask him. I asked him a, 
I felt, well, I didn't ask him, but I think just flying in general, because mm-hmm. you're so up there in the skies, exposes you to more radiation. Oh, yeah. So they will tell you, pilots, that, you know, there's, they, there's just closer to the sun, you're going to get... You're going to get nailed. That's a question for Matt Kaplan, though. I bet he knows a little bit more about that. He probably does. He's coming up uh, in, in 20 minutes. In 20 minutes. And so maybe we'll bu- put a bug. Matt, if you're listening. I'm sure he is. Uh, please comment on how much radiation exposure one gets when they're an astronaut. <laughs> well, flying is different than an astronaut. I'm sure you get a way more as an astronaut than going. Because the sh- surface kind of breaks some of that up. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. But nonetheless, okay, so one of the things that came up, oh, well, when he said no system is perfect, I kind of had a little sink in my stomach when he said that. What did you think? Well, it's true. Well, but I think he was, it was a way of saying, uh, yeah, we got a long way to go, folks, to fix, to fixing the security of our current system. No, I, I kind of took it as everything has a flaw in it and, I, you know, you can't, you can't tighten the button down the hatches completely no matter how hard you try. Or certain things just won't flow or happen. I mean, you brought up the x-ray machine. The um, country of Israel actually has really good interrogators going through the line and asking questions. That's way more effective than those dumb machines. Well, that's what everybody has said, that that method, the Israeli method is more effective. Yeah. That our country isn't willing to go there. And then Michael Chertoff has a financial interest in those machines, so that's why they were bought in the first place. Ah, gotcha. Well, there's always an incentive. Yeah, yeah, and I I just find it appalling that what they're doing in the skies, so. You find it appalling what they're doing in the skies, did you say? Well, I meant as far as the the on-ground security the fill-ups the shoes i don't mind that you know they you know you can have oh, a false God, bottom I keep forgetting to wear socks yeah and that really bugs me so i'm ending up wearing you know my nice little slip-on shoes and i have to take them off but if you and wear, walk barefoot for 10 feet but if you wear socks i mean how do you wear sandals and socks that's like birkenstocks and then you'll have about like 50 lesbians hitting on you so. that's not very fashionable is it yeah that's not very fa- <laughs> that, that died in the 1990s so i don't know how you're going to wear sandals and socks well yeah because if you wear tennis shoes then you're having to uh, you know deal with all the rigmarole of lacing and putting them back on and bending over in front of strangers yeah yeah well the the thing that always gets me is um it's not a complaint it's just awkward and i feel bad, bad for somebody that's behind me in line is uh, I take my laptop everywhere I go, and yeah. so my laptop comes has to come out of my bag. All my electronic gear has to come out of my bag, and I'm I don't bring uh, I don't have an iPad, so everything pops out. So it it takes quite a while to get everything out and everything back in. And so, well, they have a remedy for that now in both of the airports I was in, in Orange County and in Chicago O'Hare. They have all those lines split off into two or three rows once you get in there and start dumping down your stuff. So they've made well, that's it good. so that they're not waiting on people like you. But I had a funny experience when my bags were going through the little viewfinder. What would you call that? The little bag x-ray machine? Uh-huh. Uh, it was coming through and the guy that was looking at the screen looks at me and he goes, oh, oh, nice thing what you've got in your bag there. And I'm like, what? And he said, oh, yeah. He goes, it was, yeah, really nice. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, he's not looking in my bag. I mean, what, what in my bag would make would make some, somebody say something like that? I thought he was thinking that there was, you know, an enormous personal item or something in my bag that, yeah. that I didn't want to claim. And he kept looking at me, and I'm looking at him going, what are you talking about? And he goes, oh, you know what I'm talking about. 
And I said, oh, I looked at my friend and she's like, I don't know, maybe, you know, we had just come come from shopping and, and had purchased some jewelry, nothing, you know, fancy, but some big pieces. And she goes, well, maybe he's talking about the jewelry. And he goes, yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah. I never got a straight face from him. I don't know what he saw or what he thought it was. Maybe he thought it was a vibrator, but I didn't think he you were able to comment on what you have or going to the luggage or not. Oh, do you know that that's not... Uh, I, did, I didn't know that that wasn't allowed. I would have reminded I would, I him of, I thought of that, uh, Section Code 582 yeah, of I never the got uh, FAA regulations. <laughs> I've never gotten any comments, so I assume that was the rule. Well, why? Were you taking items that somebody should have commented on? <laughs> you probably, yes. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I've stowed away, like, really big, massive high heels, and nobody commented on those. They're huh. like stripper shoes. And oh, that's hilarious. No, no, yeah, nobody called. Yeah, I don't want to know what else is in your bag. No, you Heather. probably don't. I probably don't. <laughs> Heather carries around a big blue bag. Yeah. It's a mystery to <laughs> it's all a of mystery us. To all. Heather's big blue bag. Yeah. <laughs> well, so. okay, so I'm trying to think of what else <laughs> I want. Oh, I wanted to talk about food service on the airlines. Okay. Since we're on the whole airline thing. Uh, oh, well, okay, don't let me forget to talk about Alec Baldwin, too. Oh, God, why? Because I thought it, it was really stand-up of Justin to say, hey, you know, he flies on my particular airline. And, yeah. you know, you caught him on a bad day and he's, you know, you know, usually and most often a gentleman. I thought that was really nice of him because, you know, it's so easy to bag on celebrities. Yeah, it is. But on my bad day, I have a lot of inner anger and I don't... You don't want to miss never... out on an opportunity to get rid of it? <laughs> Well, I have a lot of inner anger, and then I just kind of try to let it dissipate. I've never had a th- a, a thing that it was in my hands that you can easily turn off, and, and then make a big stink of it. That, that that's that's kind of where I. You have mean the you're issue. saying you can relate to his hot headedness, but you can't relate to his willingness to let it out. No, I have. I can relate to having a bad day. I mean, hell, I'm kind of having one today, but at the same time, um. I don't, the way he lets it out seems way overboard to what is actually they're telling him to do. Right, right. So that, that's that's the issue I have. And plus when, you know, his More daughter hit two on her cell phone and then heard that tirade, you know, you little piggy. Like, I just don't. And then he proclaims to be some kind of leftist and then he does ca- like commercials for Capital One. Oh, it's just gotcha. like he's a hypocrite. And that, 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 so I you've mean, got lots of issues. Yeah, and, and then when when I put that on my Facebook page, people are like, oh, well, he has to pay his bills. And I'm like, okay, I would honestly agree with that if that was the only thing he was doing. But he's on 30 Rock. Yeah. You know, how many jobs do you need? And so, I mean, I, that's the reason why I, I have a problem with Alec Baldwin so much. Okay. All right. Well, um, at least here at KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, we practice unbiased radio. <laughs> Yeah. And we've given now two sides to the story. (laughs) (laughs) Or two perspectives, actually. Two perspectives. I don't think there's two sides to a story. No, I'm sorry. I misspoke. That's okay. You keep me straight. I like that. (laughs) Uh, But, well, I wanted to complain a little bit about the food service. Okay. Have you been on an airline now when they don't give you any food? No, I've never had that happen. Like, Like, it was really great in Costa Rica last month. Where they actually served us a hot entree, a meal of our choice. We got to choose between two lovely little options. And 
It's been forever since that's the case because in the U.S. you can have a cold sandwich or an even colder sandwich or an even colder <laughs> block of cheese and some fruit or you can have a, 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 a brand-like breakfast cookie. You know, by the time they serve it, anything is good at that point. Well, that's true. But do you know that, that they have a potential for running out of anything that you could want? I'm sure. By the time that I was in the sixth or seventh row on my trip coming home and our flight was really early. So we had no time for breakfast. Uh-huh. And actually, that's not true. We ordered room service. So room service showed up at six and then we were on our airplane, you know, by seven thirty eight. But we, um, we had, you know, by the time breakfast rolls around, it's, you know, 10 o'clock and they're like, you know, row six and we, they had nothing left. It was bizarre. Yeah. Well, the best, the best food service I've ever had was, um, I, I think I flew a 777 to or London, actually, when I was on my way to Sweden. And the best thing ever was they uh, they had, I guess they had extra beverages for everybody. And it wasn't just, and so they had like orange juice and all sorts of stuff. And they just left it in the back area where the flight attendants work. And then you can help yourself to it. And so all during the flight, if you ever got thirsty, well, there was your water and there was your orange juice and I forgot something else, too. That sounds nice. And, and that, was, that, that was nice. Was, I think that was like that one on our flights to Los An- or to Australia because we would fly back and forth for about two years there when we were going to move to Australia and then when we moved home. And um, it was like that. You could go up and get what you needed. And that was kind of nice. They had like a little uh, cocktail standing area in the back where people could just stand around and, you know, have cocktail hour and visit with each other. Yeah. But there was always some interesting characters on on those flights because those people drank a lot that were flying on those 14-hour flights. Actually, I do have a story about the London to – LAX to London to Sweden flight and – that is, um, when I landed in London in 2005, as I landed, all the TVs were turned on to a press conference, and the London Olympic Committee had just landed the Games. Wow. And when I arrived in Heathrow, and then two days later, I was in Sweden, and I found out about the London subway bombing. So Please. it was, it, there was a lot of things going on that week. Right. Yeah, so. <sighs> well, I mean, he did say that some countries do it better in terms of security. And yes. I wished I would have asked him which ones. I know Israel would have been at the top of the list, but I would have been curious to know who two and three and four were. That would if, be interesting. To yeah. know who two, three and there four were a lot of questions I wish I'd asked him again. We might have to have him back. Yeah. I, I found it really interesting that he did not know how often the pillowcases were changed and that he giggled and talked about the sniff test. That kind of, I mean, I, I guess, I guess what he really showed us is that we need to have an airline steward or a stewardess on air to find out the, the, the nitty gritty details. Cause the pilots really don't seem to get involved in any uh-huh. of that, even though they're all there working in close proximity with each other. There was a suspicious lack of understanding of the things that make me comfortable on an airplane <laughs> oh you know pillows well i'm sure he doesn't you know land a flight and goes off and washes the pillows right i'm sure that's not part of the task i'm list. sure it's not but in 10 years it probably will be yeah I'm sure <laughs> they're it's probably not. they're squeezing every dime out of them but one thing he was saying about more airline travel in the future is um, I kind of would like to, to – one of the infrastructure projects that just really frustrates me that nobody seems to want to take is 
I would like to have us build our own magna rail system, which is a high-speed monorail that China has. It goes about 300 miles per oh, hour. Oh, I mean, I'm a huge proponent of the yeah. monorail system. I, I can't understand. I can understand it. I mean, if you get and into the politics, you yeah, know why. It, you know why. But yeah. at the same they time. They don't use tires. Yeah. At the same time, <laughs> steel. though, um, airplanes will never be ran on batteries. The batteries would be too heavy for an airplane to actually lift, probably. I guess that's a good and, point. And so, so to me, like, your flying will always produce carbon, but the way to get around it is just do away with, like, L.A. to San Francisco flights and run right. those through the train and then just, like, break up the country and the regions where you can, you know, fly to this region but not to the closer jumps. Well, he talked about how many more people would be flying in the future. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, where you get into the controversy. Well, if it is a controversy, I don't know. It is for me that there aren't enough quality pilots coming down the pike that are, you know, born in aviation and and are able to adequately train themselves in their youth because of the cost of such a hobby. And that that was scary. Um, That's kind of interesting. I did like how he likes to sit at the end of his flights and see – Everybody get off the airline and or off the off the plane and, you know, see all the cross sections of life. I really felt like we got to see that flying in a lot of respects is is a, is one of the great equalizers because the famous people don't get treated any differently than even even though there's there's classes, first class and service levels. They you really you really can't break the law in in, in either the air, one in either no. one and get away with it. I liked that. I like that uh, he liked to sit at the end and feel a sense of pride as he delivered all these, pa- these you know, ridiculously rude <laughs> passengers that were so stupid. They all stood up the moment they could, the moment the bell went off. That irritates me more than anything. Well, the ridiculous... That just bugs me. The ridiculous passenger story I always have is uh, we had a neighbor who was... Uh, who had a girlfriend that was a mistress, and then he divorced his wife, and then the neighbor moved in. And nobody really liked the new neighbor because everybody liked uh, the, his ex-wife a lot better than they liked, you know, the mistress that moved in with him. So they're going to move to Utah because that's where the company headquarters is at. And so they're on a plane, flight to Utah. The the guy and his mistress, now, you know, girlfriend, are having a fight. And so she pouts off and she believes that the no smoking is just something you know she doesn't believe that's not a rule and so after the fight she wants to smoke to calm down so she goes to the bathroom (laughs) and smokes and then you know this is before 9-11 but she just causes an incident in the airplane and they almost landed because she smoked in the bathroom and right and so she was almost arrested and so like there's a lot of people that just you know one plus one does not equal two in their heads when they fly sometimes Right. Well, I have been on airplanes where they've had to escort the person off. They or or even worse. Oh, this was terrible. I felt so sorry for this woman. She obviously had some issues with alcohol, and <laughs> she loved on a little too much early in the flight, and that was difficult because she was lap dancing people in the back. <laughs> oh, wow! And she was not able to to keep her, you know, to steady herself when she stood at one point, she fell back and grazed her hands across several people's faces, one of them being mine, and her fingernails, you know, sliced little marks down our cheeks. Oh, that sounds lovely. Oh, it was so bizarre. And then, I mean, it was an, it was a flight that originated in Australia. So the, the crew 
were, it was Qantas Airlines and the crew were Aussie. They were sweet. They did not want to have to handcuff this lady. They did everything <laughs> they could to keep her, you know, from going down this path that she was going down. And she just wouldn't have it. She just kept sitting on different people's laps. Well, finally, she goes behind the the curtain and every now and then we'd hear a scuffle and we'd see arms fly out the, the curtains and then reel her back in and then arms fly out, out the curtains and then they'd reel her back in again. Finally, they sat her on a really uncomfortable looking bench and handcuffed her to the bench. And then when we arrived um, in L.A., they had to remove her before they let any of us get off. And as we were leaving the aircraft, there she was in handcuffs with the police just being debriefed on what she had done. And she was, you know, in a world of hurt. Yeah, I can imagine. So was she sobering up by this point? And oh, then... well, yeah, it's a 14-hour flight. I'm oh. sure she was coming down off of it pretty hard. <laughs> and uh, and meeting with her realization as she was deplaning, poor thing. Oh, that is a poor thing. Maybe that's maybe that's time, a cry for help. Yeah, maybe that prompts her to go to but I, or something. But I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed Justin Petricus and... I would have to say that he qualifies as a real person of Orange County, wouldn't you? Well, I mean, I don't see how I couldn't. <laughs> he has a pulse. He lives in Orange County. Okay. He has a pulse. <laughs> I think that's all that really qualifies you. Well, that's not true. That's true. No, we don't no. just call anybody with a pulse. Yeah, but, true. you know, that does bring to mind, if any listeners are out there and they do know of somebody that they think is interesting that we should interview here at Real People OC, uh, Kimberly Martin's Real People of Orange County, 88.9 FM in Irvine, we would love to hear from you. Email us and let us know if there's somebody that you would like us to bring into the studio and interview live. Yeah, and that's Run awesome. them through our mill, our security <laughs> checkpoint. We have a security checkpoint here, too. It's kind of cool. Yeah, you have to be rang in like you're... Yeah, it's like, it's awesome. At Wayne Manor or something. So, well, we'll be back again next week. I guess the we will The bells are ringing. Yeah, and um, stay tuned for Planetary Radio at 5.30, but first Counterspin. This has been Real People of Orange County with Heather McCoy, me, and then Kathy... Mo- Kathy yeah, Kathy yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't even know my <laughs> name. <laughs> Kimberly Martin. I, let me introduce over myself, there. Heather. I'm Kimberly Martin. <laughs> I'm having a very bad day. So You're okay. uh, you tuned in the KCI 88.9 FM and Irvine. We'll get it together next week. <laughs>